Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of KidsUse.com, and I am in the studio with Amy Oztan, who's now just Amy Oztan. Nothing fun, nothing <laughs> nothing interesting. She's Amy of Oztan. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Andrea. Yes. I, I think Rebecca's bitter that I changed my name. That's a good name, selfish mom. <laughs> All right, well, so here's Amy. <laughs> you didn't have to live with it. Uh, my, I'm not your kids. I guess that'd be the worst way to live with it. And Andrea Smith, technology journalist, Guru, extraordinaire. Not wearing Whatever. purple today, wearing green. It Amazing, totally right? is throwing totally me off. Totally threw you, right? Purple Thought I was in the paper. wrong studio. I know. I purposely don't wear purple on these days because I'm worried that I <laughs> should send out a look so matching. Well, the problem is I still have not unpacked my fall clothes from the move. So as anyone can see, I'm wearing espadrilles with no socks. <laughs> and it's and cold out. And freezing because I can't find my boots. And my sweaters, this was like the, the sweater I could find. I'm still wearing tank tapsy. Oh my God. Uh, Poor cold Andrea. I need to it's a good thing you live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so today on the show, we are going to talk about two recent articles, one in the Washington Post, one in the New York Times, which I think we pull way too many articles from these two places. We need to like expand well, our reading. they have good articles. They have the best, they have they great have the most parenting sections. stuff I think that's what parents. it is. So the first one from the Washington Post is the myth of the straight-A student and six ways to debunk it, and we're going to talk about that and um, our own children's over or underachieving <laughs> and what we need to debunk on their <laughs> end, and then other people's parenting. When, if ever, to interfere, which um, was brought about by that crazy video that went around, or picture of the dad who wrapped his daughter's right. hair Ugh. around the shopping cart handle. So that um, brought about this article. And then we will have our bites of the week. So let's jump right into this Washington Post article in the On Parenting section, The Myth of the Straight-A Student and Six Ways to Debunk It. <clears throat> so this, one of the things that was interesting is this was actually started with middle school because mm -hmm. when you think of that you think a lot about high school and you think about kids with pressure for college but this actually starts with a sixth grader which is interesting because mm. <laughs> you don't feel like the pressure should be starting then but I guess it does um, and a very I guess a high school that is well known for this pressure which is the Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda Maryland which I didn't realize but it's it's become infamous for this kind of pressure on kids. They talked about how there's there's many things that go on in the school. So it might just also be that this is a Washington Post reporter, and I'm guessing a lot of Washington Post reporter kids go to this they school, to so school. they're very familiar. Um, but So this was all about stress and all about this idea that kids are so focused on grades to the exclusion of everything else and how you can show kids that that's and also because the end game is college right the end game is always college which is so crazy because i just had this conversation with my own daughter college is just four years of your giant life that you're gonna have and to have that be your focus is college when but when you're, you're at gonna a cocktail go to a party school. you know 10 years after college nobody's gonna ask you what what middle school you went to nobody's gonna ask you what high school you went to unless maybe you're in new york um, they're going to ask you what college you went to. But then so what? <laughs> like, and then well, what? Well, but also, isn't it that, like, I think what parents drill into their parents' head is that you have to go to a good college in order to get a good job, right? right. So if you want to, like, my, you know, my niece is in engineering, thankfully, and, uh, you know, 
so she went to Stanford because that's where you go, right? So if you want to do something like design, you know, you want to go to like Savannah College of Art and Design, you want to get into somewhere good. And I think sometimes parents perpetuate this. I mean, you hear, you guys here, oh, here yeah. in the city, like if you don't get into the right preschool, forget it. <laughs> Which is You're so never silly. getting into college. Right. That really is stupid. Yeah. yeah. We, I'm we, here yeah. to tell parents that. But it starts that track of pressure for kids. Well, we completely yeah. avoided it that early, but I would say that the pressure really started for my kids in late elementary school. It didn't wait till middle school because that was when they were getting all of the pressure about getting into a good middle school so that you right. can get into good, to a good high school. And it wasn't coming from us. It was coming from their elementary school um, with all of the testing. The right. That makes un- that. New York very unique. Yeah. So um, unique New York. Unique New York. <laughs> Sorry. Acting drills. Um, and so what we would do is we would try to mitigate all of the pressure that they were getting at school by saying it doesn't matter, hoping that it would balance out in not neurotic kids throwing up before the test. I had friends whose kids were like so worried about their grades in fourth grade that they couldn't sleep. They were having panic attacks. So, yeah, I totally believe that by sixth grade the, the kids are feeling the pressure. But it's sad because, and this is a conversation, so my daughters are freshmen, and one of them is incredibly focused on college. And there's, like, nothing we can do about it. Like, no matter what I tell her, like, first of all, you're going to college. Like, it's not a question in our house. It wasn't a question from the day they were born. So I feel like I, there are places where, and particularly at one of their high schools, where that's not true for a lot of the kids in their high school. They will be the first in their family to go to college. So their, her high school in particular is incredibly focused on college from the day they walk in the door. It is a huge part of their high school. They have their college offices ready. You get your counselor from the beginning. They are incredibly proud. At ninth grade? Yes, because a huge portion of the kids are first generation. So that that getting into college is Mm -hmm. huge. Um, and is a really big bragging point for the school, right? That 99.9% of the kids are going to go to a four-year college. Oh, to be that 0.1%. And one girl last year gone to all eight Ivies in Stanford wow. from her school. Hmm. So it's like a thing. Um, telling her, like, that doesn't really apply to you. Like, you're going to college. <laughs> We're not worried about it. It's going to happen for you. Um, doesn't matter. Like, she's somehow now worried. Is she picking the wrong extracurricular activities? Is she, you know, or she doesn't, the grades thing is not something she needs to worry about. Like, it's just a weird, it's just weird to tell her to just chill out and enjoy high school. Because my thing is, high school is just four years. It goes so quickly. Like, we know that. They might not know that. But it goes so fast. And if you don't enjoy while you're there... Then all of a sudden you're in college, which is all you said you work towards, and then right. you're just and then it's pressure, pressure, pressure. You're in college, and then yeah. the same thing's gonna happen. Then what are you gonna do? Spend four years of college worried about where you're gonna get a job? Like to me, if you're not gonna experience the here and now of where you're at, then what's the point of being there? So that's kind of why I encouraged my son not to take AP classes in high school. He goes to an art school. He spends a lot of his free time rehearsing and things like that and practicing. And he wanted to take some AP classes last year. We started with this. And I, I I think he was leaning towards not anyway, but I talked him out of it because I knew that it would put all this extra pressure on him when that's not really the direction he wants to go in. Like the schools that he goes to for college, they're going to be audition based. So why spend an extra two hours a night doing homework? Why not enjoy yourself? Yeah, my daughter's schools, there's no choice. 
It is the AP. That's yeah, it. That's, I, that's what history is, is AP. I, that's another reason why I talked him out of another high school that he got into. Right. And pushed him more towards the art school because I knew that it was going to be all AP and homework and pressure. And Right. But meanwhile, I mean, I don't know. They're only been in school a month. It's totally not. I don't know. It's just, it is. I mean, I personally never thought the AP curriculum was particularly rigorous. And it's why a lot of schools have dropped it just because it's just very prescribed. It might be a lot of work, but it's not that much work work. Um, but... I think when you don't have a choice, then it's an interesting thing because there's not two different tracks of kids. And sometimes I think that can create more pressure because if there's kids who are doing honors or AP and kids who aren't, there's also that constant. That's how my high school was. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a constant, should I be doing that? Should I not be doing that? Who's doing that? Right. Are you better off getting the A in the non-honors than the B in the AP? It's just, to me, like the choices before these kids is almost too much. It's like, and then there's schools that offer like a bazillion AP classes and then schools that don't offer any. Like, I think my niece took like AP psychology or something in high school. I'm like, what is that? Hmm. When did that start? Well, I think also, you know, we have to look at where the pressure is coming from, right? So for a lot Mm -hmm. of kids, it comes internally. They just really want to do well and strive. But then if you take a step back and you think, is the pressure coming from the school? Are they really putting that pressure on the kids to do well? And are they supporting them? Is the pressure coming from parents? Is it peer pressure? You know, are all the other kids in their group of friends that smart. I mean, you know, my son never got great grades ever. And, you know, his friends were all B students, as was he. And so I think he didn't feel the pressure to try to um, do better. So, you know, the the question for me is, where does that come from for a lot of kids? I mean, it's very hard when you are in this bubble of New York, because I, I do, again, think it's very different than a lot of places because you have to get into middle school and then you have to get into high school right. rather than just being tracked. But this high school they're talking about in Maryland is just, you go, right? It's just, yeah. it's your, you just, it's probably like Scarsdale. You just have a lot of very high achieving kids who are there with parents who went to very prestigious universities right. who expect their kids to do the same. Um, I definitely hear it more in certain circles of friends than others um you know it's funny like as much as my daughter's school has this sort of thing about college the parents it's not all these parents being like ivy league or die or worse parents who are like there's the real ivy league harvard (laughs) yale princeton and the others which don't really aren't really they're not real they don't really count so even within that you have parents who are making this bizarre hierarchy and that that starts in new york because new york's crazy with kindergarten with people being like that's not a top tier private school so not that's not right um I, i i liked the focus of this article because it focused on someone where the pressure wasn't coming from the school and mm-hmm. wasn't coming from the parents. It was coming from it's the kid. And, the kid. <laughs> and it puts parents in a really tough spot. And I've been in this spot for years now with my with my daughter because you want the kids to do well, but you don't want them to obsess about it and get worried about it. It's that fine line of like, yeah, do your best, but don't go crazy. Right. You know? And, like, my daughter does fine. Like, she... She gets an A average, but then there's always, like, that one class that's, like, 
you know, hovering around a seat. So, you know, like, how much do we worry about that? Is she heading to Harvard? I have no idea. She's 12. Like, right. do I need to pressure her? <laughs> Is she going to be upset down the road that I didn't push her more because now she's not getting into the colleges that she wants to get into? I have no idea. Right. You also don't know. So one of the things that a lot of the college admissions officers say in a lot of the top colleges is that the kids are all the same. So they're all qualified. Like you could just make it a lottery at that point, right? Huh. You could say here's all these kids, their GPAs are all this to this. They all basically have similar extracurricular activities. Right. Test scores are their the test same. scores are the same. That's 80% of the kids applying. Right. So at that point, you might as well throw them up in the air, the applications and go around the room so and then how pull. do they choose? Well, right. So then what that's that's why it's so maddening for these kids cuz it's like an audition for acting. You are going to walk into a room in a cattle call and everyone's going to look at you because that's the type they asked for. You have no idea why you're going to get something right. and someone's not. And it's the same for college. It really is, especially those schools. So that's what's hard for kids to understand, I think. And that's why they say, like, don't have your heart set on one kind of one school and don't, you know, just. And then when you look at the CEOs of so many, right, it's like the whole Fortune 500 it's a teeny tiny percentage of them that went to mm-hmm. Ivy League schools. Most of them yeah. went to their public state universities. I have always said at ABC, and I had interns every year at ABC, and, you know, all the UVA and the Syracuse journalism students would come in. But I have to say my best interns year after year were the Florida State University. Yep. You know, the kids who really wanted to accomplish something and achieve and um, go out of their way to learn and ask and not just kind of like, oh, I'm at this great school and here's what I want to do, so show me, you know? And I could really see a difference in those kids. Well, I mean, is it a myth that if you go to one of the really big Ivy League schools, you don't see a professor for your first four years? Like, That's I've heard that you just, that you just, you get taught by TAs and like, it's not at really... the small, not at the Ivy League schools. Really? Because yeah. I've had people say that their kid didn't go to Harvard because they wanted to get an education from somebody who wasn't just a graduate student. That's interesting because my feeling, it just depends on the size of the school because even at Michigan where I was, where you can't get much bigger than Michigan, I had professors in all my class. I never had a TA, not for a single mm-hmm. class. I had TAs for when you broke down into smaller groups mm-hmm. for discussion, but never had This a is TA. a world I know nothing about. I yeah. went to. I went to a SUNY school. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, I think if you're going to Princeton because you want Toni Morrison to teach you, you're, that's the stupidest thing you could ever do because chances are, yes, you'll never see Toni Morrison. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to look at all that stuff, and that's why the college rankings are stupid because they don't always take that stuff into account. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more about what you want to do, right, and, like, what you're interested in and then where you want to be. And I don't know. For high school, like, when you're looking at your high school experience – you can't think like, oh, well, they want a kid who does this and a kid who does that. Because if you're trying to tailor it to some imaginary person and you think what they want, you're right. never going to get it right. right. Yeah, you just have to So be what yourself. do they say the kids should do in high school? I mean, how so do you de-stress was, these kids this and was make really them interesting. focus? So one was debunk the myth of the straight A, which is mm-hmm. kind of what we just said, which is that, like, all these kids have the same grades. Everyone, So, like, chill. It's not everyone with a perfect GPA gets into all these schools, mm-hmm. obviously. So And a lot of kids with perfect GPAs don't get into the schools, so don't kill yourself. Right. And it. and different teachers grade differently and different classes are weighted differently. So, you know, they said focus on goals such as accruing knowledge, determining strengths and interests and developing a love of learning, which I think is easier said than done. But um 
you know, you don't need a perfect GPA to be successful, which is super, and no one's going to care what your GPA was. Guess what? After you get, like, once you get into college, no one's going to ask you what your high school GPA was. And if you're telling people there's something so wrong with your life, like, um, there's a lid for every pot, which is what we were just saying, too. There's, like, a bazillion colleges for yeah. different kids. Also, don't focus on eight. You know what? They don't tell kids. Like, you could transfer anywhere. You do well your first right. year in college. You can transfer anywhere. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, anyway. And I've always, I'm a big proponent. I mean, I think some, ki- some kids just should go to community college the first year. There's no reason to spend all that money for that first year of education that everyone's taking the same requirements. Well, it's so funny because I had that discussion with someone because I went to a big city school, right, where I'm sure like 70% of the kids go to a SUNY or a CUNY, probably more, 75 or 80%. Because... It's way less expensive. Mm -hmm. The school I was at had exceptionally smart kids, so most of them got full rides. They went to Brooklyn College. They went wherever you went. I mean, I had kids who went to that, like, the BSMD program at Brooklyn College where you got, like, your medical degree in seven years. Like, crazy smart kids. Um, Again, a lot of first-generation kids. So that makes me crazy in this city is that people will look at where kids got into college when they look at the high schools, and they'll be like, oh, well, all those kids go to city schools and SUNYs as if that's a bad thing. Right. And you, it, to me, that is so bizarre. You do that? that I mean, my sister went to SUNY Stony Brook, but wound up graduating from NYU. Right. You my my husband graduated from a SUNY school, SUNY Albany, and got into a fantastic graduate program at a really mm-hmm. great college. Like, it, it doesn't... No. It, I don't think it matters as much as people convince themselves it doesn't it does. matter, and it's smart financially. Yeah. Right? You have a bazillion people making financial choices. Just like you can't look at private schools and be like, well, that school gets four kids into Harvard. Well, yeah, but those four kids all had parents who gave $20 million to yeah. Harvard. So, like, that doesn't tell you anything <laughs> either. Um, so, okay, so that's the lid for every pot. Back off and it will pay off. So this is what they were saying, which we talk about all the time, which is fostering independence, letting kids fight their own battles. So if they... If you're doing, hovering over your kids, making them do really, really well in high school, guess what happens when they get to college? They fail because they don't have you around to do their tests and, you know, which we've talked about a million times, or wake them up in the morning. Just scary. So Jessica Leahy, which Amy, you mentioned her, the gift of failure, which is all about that idea. We should have her on. We should definitely have her on talking about failure. Character counts. So that's what they always talk about integrity, resilience, critical thinking, perseverance, teamwork, that. And that is the kind of stuff that, colleges actually look for too which Mm -hmm. is harder to measure but you should do and then finding the sweet spot when kids struggle which is hard right like encouraging them and trying to be on top of them a little bit but not Mm -hmm. a lot not stepping in i i dropped the ball last year i didn't step in when i should have you know Uh, when my daughter had a, a a sub for the entire year and i should have been on the school about it and wasn't she ended up getting a terrible grade and now it's like well Okay, now I know right. for next time, which will never happen again. <laughs> right, when you have to advocate. Right. That's yeah. hard. And then ease performance pressure. So I think that's a big thing. I think it's a huge thing, um, which is partly recognizing who your kid is, right? And not trying to make your kid fit into some bubble that you've created for them that you're going to wrap them in bubble wrap and <laughs> keep them, but also not sticking them down a path that you decide is the right one Mm -hmm. that might be the hardest thing because we do say like where does it come from in these kids there's so many factors there's so many extraneous things that go into that a kid's psyche of where's this pressure coming from right so if you have a parent can you can at least recognize your own where it might be coming from then you can pull yourself back yeah (laughs) (laughs) just really hard it's just hard our kids are growing up in a way more 
um, competitive, connected world. So I think they're just aware of a lot more, too. I think that's part of it. Hmm. All right. On that happy note, <laughs> lay off your kids. We'll have a link to this article on our Facebook page and on ParentingBites.com. Um, and let us know what you think of these poor kids. <laughs> We're all going to explode. <laughs> we will be right back with our second topic, other people's parenting. Oh, now we get to tell about, now after we just told all these parents what to do, we're going to tell, We're tell, gonna tell you them again. <laughs> what to do even more. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. This week we are brought to you by Kapari Beauty. If you're like me, the shelf space in your bathroom is precious real estate. That's why I'm excited to introduce you to a line of beauty products that's as great at multitasking as you are. Kapari. These are products that moisturize skin and hair, smell great, but without any sulfates, silicones, GMOs, and parabens. Instead, Kapari products are made with 100% organic coconut oil. Kapari makes great products like a coconut sheer oil, which is light and perfect as a facial moisturizer. I have it under my eyes today. A coconut (laughs) balm for intense soothing and smoothing of super dry skin. A coconut crush scrub that buffs you beautiful. We're actually on our second container of that. My daughters, yeah, they've gone through the whole thing. Still haven't tried that yet. Oh my God, they're like obsessed with it. Um, a coconut body glow that gives you a natural all-over shimmer, and of course, their original coconut melt. Kapari searched around the world for an oil of the highest quality with a great aroma and non-gritty texture that you can apply head to toe. Say aloha to the best skin and hair of your life with Kapari. Go to kaparibeauty.com parenting to get 20% off your order. That's kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash parenting for 20% off and let us know what you think actually I think it's the best time when you're transitioning from like summer to winter mm-hmm. skin and it's getting all like dry out yeah because I can get away with skipping days in the summer but now that there's no moisture in the yeah, air I the skip a day yeah I'm a lizard yeah it's, it's disgusting it's if lather I it on so 20% off yeah. stock up all right we are back with other people's parenting when if ever to interfere. This was I like the time. if ever. <laughs> but this was based on, so this was an extreme example, but it got shared by a zillion people at a Walmart in Texas. I feel like these things are always at a Walmart or a McDonald's. It's like in a Walmart Texas. or a McDonald's. A female bystander spotted a man pushing a shopping cart with his crying child's hair wrapped around the handle. The woman intervened and eventually called the police for help. The incident set off a debate on when bystanders should say something about another parent's discipline. But what happens when safety is not at stake? Is there ever time to tell someone you don't agree with a parenting decision? No. This article then, <laughs> Amy, it just then goes on to talk about all these people who basically lost their friends mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they told their friends. Yeah, I'm, I'm going right with Amy. Do. Yeah, I mean, I think. It, listen, there's two things. I mean, obviously, if you see a safety thing or a, a, what you believe, now you never know, but what you believe might be some form of child abuse or neglect. And I don't even know if you step in and say something. I think calling the police is a very appropriate thing to do. But 
if you just don't agree with someone's parenting, shut up and keep it to yourself. I just don't see how that ever is going to end well. Yeah, and you, you could you could be the rightest person in the world, but it does yeah. not matter. The person is not going to take it well. I think the one exception, and I think this was also an exception in the article, is if the kid is doing something that the parent doesn't know about. That's not really a parenting decision. That's more like the village looking out for the kid. Right, you see your friend's kid yeah. jaywalking across Broadway well, one day. that's a safety thing. In. That's definitely yep. a safety thing. But I also, there was one example in the article about a kid who was very depressed um, and, and struggling, mm-hmm. and it was clear that the parents weren't aware of yep. it. Because well, he was in college. Yeah. Yes. Right? The, yeah. It was the roommate's mom yeah. called. But otherwise, you're not going to win. You're not, the, the, it, there's no way to impart that information unless they reach out for it, but that's not what we're talking about. Like, there's no way to go up to somebody and say, I think you're doing a shitty job raising your kids. Here's how you should do it. <laughs> well, you definitely shouldn't say it that way. You definitely but shouldn't do that. I feel there, like it usually happens in the heat of a moment. Like, well, sort of what happened at Walmart, but, I, you know, sometimes you see, I don't know, someone, like, slap their kid on the butt, or they, I don't know, or they're just being lazy parents like where you have the kid who's like throwing the sand at everyone in the sandbox and that parent is not stepping in and so what happens is you don't say anything to the parent you end up stepping in right and you end up I mean I can't tell you how many three-year-old and four-year-olds like right. you say with, something to the, the kid but right. it's different. Like we don't throw sand you but know it's different you if may it's throw a, sand <laughs> it's different if it's affecting other children you know I mean then then you have a duty to step in then you're not stepping in for the sake of that other parent and their kid, you're stepping in for the sake of your own child. So I think that's I definitely mean, different. Would you then go to the parent and say, I just want to, FYI, <laughs> you know, I just told your son not to throw sand in my child's eyes. Okay, I hope that's okay with you. Right, like, do you, while you're on your phone over yeah, there, not paying yeah, attention Yeah, while you're to totally neglecting kid. your child. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the time, well, what this article talked about, let's get to the heart of it, is really the grandparents Ooh. feeling like they need to tell the parent that they don't like their parenting style, which is, I think, where it happens more than just yeah. another parent. My mother always told me I was doing it wrong. Man, I must have always. hit the jackpot with my parents. I was feeding <laughs> my son wrong. I was, you know, trying to get him to eat. I was always No, I did the opposite. Right. I left my, my infant son with my stepmother, who has given birth to eight children, and tried to tell her how to do things. And she just kind of <laughs> gave me this smile, which I knew, you know, behind the smile was like, I've kept, you know, I, I, I've done this a bit more than you have. I'm. I'm. I don't need I'm instructions. But it is interesting. Like I would say, it's the majority of this article is really about the grandparents. Yeah. Um, wanting to say something or having said something to their son it's or hard, daughter. You know, especially when it's family, right? And you feel like you want to say something. It's hard not to, right? right? Yeah, but it's the same as when you were raising them as children. They're not going to learn if you just tell them. They have to stumble themselves they have to figure out what's going to work with their own kids and what isn't going to work and you're yeah you're but if not. they didn't do that you know my mother told me everything I did wrong my whole life so, <laughs> <laughs> so she she certainly wasn't going to change as a grandmother right I think <laughs> just what happens also is that parents see you doing it differently and then they feel like somehow it's a slight on them mm. like because you, you are choosing not to do it the way they did it it means you're saying the way they did it was wrong oh and then because they're only thinking about themselves it becomes then like that's not you know you always hear grandparents who say like i put i started putting rice cereal in their bottle at two weeks old and they're like that's not how we do it now right and they're like this is you know whatever maybe that's why i don't get that crap from my parents because i'm always like yeah my parents did it this way i turned out fine (laughs) (laughs) right you give them all the credit yeah you did it great benign how would you feel if somebody came up to you and said amy i just want you to know um you know, 
Fiona's been taking the bus home alone and here's what she's doing or, you know, she's behaving this way. How would you feel? I actually know exactly how I would feel because this would happen. When my kids started walking to school alone, you know, our schools, their elementary school is only like four, four or five blocks from our house. And so they started walking there at a pretty young age. And I, I remember in fifth grade, Jake walked his sister in second grade. And I would get reports frequently. Sometimes they were great. Sometimes they were saying, oh, they were holding hands and, you know, looking both ways. And then other times people would message me on Facebook saying, hey, I just wanted you to know I saw Jake hitting Fiona on the way to school. (laughs) (laughs) And I reacted to that just fine because they're not telling me. Maybe, you know what, maybe behind it that I missed at the time was maybe he shouldn't be walking her to school because he was hitting her. But I didn't take it that way at all. I was always like, oh, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it. I'll talk to him. It's so funny. Like, I think about the times I've definitely talked about other parents and their crappy parenting style, but I've never said it to them. Like, (laughs) because because you do feel like as long as you're not endangering a kid um it isn't your business right. like they're that not going to different people do different things i think when it gets hard and this is where i think it gets in trouble is when you travel with another couple who have a totally different parenting oh, style from you that's awful or you're staying at someone's house and oh, they have a different parenting style been there that's when it's really bad and when it becomes super judgmental i think on both sides and everyone feels like the other person's saying that they're not doing it right and you know you have the friend who's like their kids drink soda starting at seven in the morning and all they eat is chicken nuggets and your you know kids don't eat like that right i see you've been to my house (laughs) (laughs) well and then what you know then do you say well no you can't have soda and that's not what we do and as if it's a judgy thing right right Right. or your kid says it we don't do that that's always always the hard thing because I did have one parent in my circle who always used to you know I would admonish my kids for doing something and she would say oh it's fine and I would have to be like no it's not maybe it is for your kids but I'm telling my kid not to do it so please shut up we used to have that with the iPads at the table when we would travel with family because my kids were not allowed to have devices at the table and that was the they didn't even try to talk it was the first thing that came out was a device and Mm -hmm. I was like and then I felt bad because one of my daughters are supposed to do right no to to. all the other kids are on the screen yeah that's it's, right i mean if you're going to be with somebody for a long time i feel like maybe you have to work something out ahead of time if that's going to be an right. issue you know and like put it all on the kids you right. know all so, have oh, to you agree. know my daughters are so uncomfortable and so maybe like at dinner we can keep them away but at lunch we can have them out uh, that's rough that's right. why i don't like being with other people so that's when it's hard because what are you supposed to do? I do think it's weird to just walk up to somebody and be like, your parenting style, like, why? what are you doing? Like, who would do that? I that would seems never, bizarre. I would never. I mean, and, you know, when, when Matthew was little, I only worked three days a week, and I was there in the playground. You know, I was there those other two days, and I would watch, and I would see other parents, and just... Of course I wanted to walk up to them and say, what are you thinking? But right. I would never do that. Yeah, my husband totally would. <laughs> That's what's funny about it. He has like zero patience for that crap. Yeah, there was something. I wasn't there, but my husband and his brother had the kids at a beach once and somebody else's kid did something to our kid and my husband's brother didn't have any kids at the time so like my husband was kind of, kind of hanging back seeing how the kids would handle it, seeing if the other parent would step in. My brother-in-law just went right up to the kid and was like, what are you doing to my nephew? And like dragged the kid back over to the parents. It like... So maybe it's like the non-parents who are more likely to step in. I don't know. It is hard. I think you just have to wait for people. If they want your advice, they'll ask for it. Like the examples in this article are very extreme. Like the woman whose friend was adopting and was like, I'm not going to ever tell the kid that they're adopted. I mean, come on. 
on. Like, if you're not waiting for an opinion to come back at you yeah. when you announce you that, you can't just you state are. that, especially not to your friend who is like, a what, a psychologist? who, like, yeah. specialized right. in that. It was like a family <laughs> Yeah, like, I would assume that the person was actually reaching out for help without wanting to just say it. So I definitely would give my opinion then. Yeah. I don't know. I think you also have to recognize maybe when people need help and when they really don't want it. Like, because like, sometimes people would welcome your help and sometimes you have a friend who's like, I don't know what to do. Right. Like, yeah. this has been a nightmare. But do most people say that? I mean, the worst would be, I remember being in a parenting group when we lived in Brooklyn, you know, maybe two or three, three-year-olds. And, you know, I remember one mom going, oh my God, I just can't stand when he died. It was some kid who was always hitting kids and she, you know, she exasperated and articulated out loud I can't stand when he does this and of course at that moment you want to go yeah neither can we you know? <laughs> right <laughs> can you really really wish please? that you would deal with this better you know and so you don't know if they're reaching out for advice but yeah. you know then of course it goes away and that's right. that you know <laughs> right but going back to the article and going back to the grandparent thing I do want to say the article somebody in there had a really great solution with the grandparents which is you can step in on an issue once and then you're done. Yeah. You can say something once, and then no matter what we mm. do with that information, can't say anything ever again. Maybe that's a good rule. Yeah, one time. but One, one yeah. and done. And you may not, honestly, you may lose friends sometimes, but maybe you should, because sometimes if your parenting styles are so different, it's going to impact other things. Like, it yeah. just is. It's just inevitable. So those might not be the friends for you anyway well, during I, this time till I your children are older. I have a couple of friends, honestly. It's like, you know how you have those friends you just can't bring up religion or you can't bring up politics? Mm-hmm. Yes. I have some friends that I just can't acknowledge that we both have children because our styles are so different and I like them in every other way except how they raise their right. children. So, so we just pretend that it's not happening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We have to add children to the list. They're right up there with politics now. <laughs> All right, we will be right back with our Bites of the Week, which have nothing to do with judging other parents, maybe. You don't know what my bite is. (laughs) The judgy meter. (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right, we are back with our bites of the week, and Amy is first as yeah, always. Yeah, always. So, I, I mean, I don't even know why I'm giving this as a bite because five million people have seen it already. But if you haven't, and you were a Will and Grace fan, you have to see the new video that they made about voting and about this election. And I think it, ostensibly it's just to get you to vote, but they make it very clear in the in the in the video who they're for. But the great thing about this Will and Grace video is that it's like no time has passed since the show went off the air. And how long did it go off the air? Like like at least ten years. Ten years. And number one, they all look the same. Number two, they've got the set like did they just have that set mothballed somewhere? Because they have the exact set. It's so funny. And it's the writing is brilliant the characters are are right there where they were when the show went off the air and it's um i I watched it like four times there's got to be a netflix miniseries in the works now right (laughs) it was so good it made me realize just how much i missed that show yeah and um you know i don't know if they're all doing projects right now if they're not please come back and do will and grace because (laughs) it was just brilliant so you have to watch this video we'll we'll put it up on the website cool andrea so, you know, I'm putting all kinds of new, fun, smart home objects and devices in my house. Uh, and I have, like, my most favorite thing. And it doesn't seem very techy, 
It's a ceiling fan. Right now in, in Ridgewood, we had ceiling fans in every room. This is a fan made by, by a company called Haiku. And um, I didn't realize that they are big-ass fans. Um, you know that company, Big Ass Fans, that makes no. those really big industrial. There's an yeah, they're like a company. It's called, called Big Ass <laughs> Fans. Yeah. And but these are literally oh. like works of art. They're these sleek, white, beautiful fans, and there's a built-in LED light, so it doesn't have the four hanging mm-hmm. bulbs, right? They're perfectly pre-balanced. There's no noise. There's no sound. Like in wow. my old bedroom, if I turn the fan on too high, you'd hear that clunk, 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 right. thing shakes around. It's not only gorgeous, okay? And go and it has 10 speeds. And with the remote, you can do the different speeds and you can change the light. But here, of course, is why I am in love with this fan. I can go into the bedroom and say, Alexa, turn on my master bedroom <laughs> fan. And Something she new says, for Alexa. Okay. <laughs> and she turns on the fan. Not the light in the fan, but just the fan. And then I can say, Alexa, turn on the master bedroom light. And she turns on the light. Wow. Now they have this wall wow. sensor. So the light goes on. We do our thing. We leave later on in the evening. So then the light turns off if you're not in the room. It has this sense me technology. Right. Later on, if I come into the room to get something, the sensor sees me there and turns the light on again. Wow. So the connectivity options on this fan have just blown me away. I love it. It's the easiest thing in the world. I told you guys watch Mr. Robot. Yes. I have a total Mr. Robot fear of having too many connected things in my home. (laughs) Episode where they like made the music really loud and the fans all went on and she couldn't get out of her house. And I'm like, that's like the worst thing. Well, my Echo, my Amazon Echo plays music, right? So I really want now to have a speaker. You know, I do have one of those singlet bulbs that plays music from an LED light. I really now want a nice speaker built into the haiku fan so I can (laughs) say, Alexa, play music from my master bedroom fan. Anyway, I'm in love with this. Y'all should take a look at it. Oh, I want one for upstate. We've got like an old rattly fan. Oh, you totally need one. And you never, I mean, you just say it if you have an Amazon Echo or of course there's an app. Well, there you go. You got the dot or you use an app. You can use your app. You can use your remote or you can use That's very cool. I like it. Um, So my bite this week is a podcast by and for kids. Mm. It is a 10 episode mystery um, scripted with kid actors called The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel. Like an old-timey radio it's serial. It's an old-timey yeah. radio serial. It's a mystery. Um, I think they have the first few episodes up, and then they're going to roll out one a week till they get to 10. Wow. They're, I think, a little under a half hour, so it's something. The first one's longer, and then they're like 20-something minutes. It's something you could listen to in the car with your kids on the way to school. What so age like is what it? Eight? It's <laughs> middle grade, so it's probably about maybe, let's say, second through seventh okay. or sixth. Um, or maybe older if they, you know, if they've never heard something like this and they think it's cool. But it's it's um, professional writers, professionally done. So like kid actors reading it. Kid actors okay. reading it. Um, professionally scripted by real people with real, real writers, <laughs> real credits to their name. Wow. Um, and I found out about it was just one of those weird things. But one of my really good friends from middle school, <laughs> we're <laughs> friends on Facebook. Um, she also has twins. She hurts her husband, and they met when they both worked on Guiding Light. Wow. So he ha- he was a longtime soap writer and whatever, and they're really cool because they have kids the right this age, so they, they know he knows what he's doing. 
Um, but it's really great. There's not a lot of really good podcasts for kids. Mm-hmm. And I think people have been doing audiobooks a long time with their kids. Mm-hmm. But now that so many kids have these hand-me-down iPhones or even a, just a new iPhone because they're the free one with the plan. No phone is free anymore. Well, <laughs> free-ish. Um, it comes, you know, with the podcast app already. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool thing for your kids to do rather than just, you know, walk, looking at Snapchat and um, BuzzFeed and <laughs> Instagram. It's actually cool. It's a cool way to get kids interested in, like, an episodic series. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just a TV show. Right. Especially kids who are used to binge watching and listening to everything. The fact that they might have to wait wait. and be suspense. This is why Um, my daughter and I don't watch TV together because she wants to watch 10 episodes. And I'm like, I can watch two and then I have things to do. Yeah. (laughs) So I need to teach her episodic patience. Right. I think kids are not going to understand what the word cliffhanger means Hmm. ever. No. No. Well, it's funny. We just had this conversation um, with my daughters because I was telling them the difference between a show made for Amazon and Netflix that writers structure it differently because they know it's being binge watched Mm -hmm. versus shows that are episodic weekly where there has to be this major cliffhanger because they've got to get you to to come in the next week week. whereas binge watching just needs to be enough that you're like oh i want to see the next one Mm -hmm. you know but it doesn't but it's structured so differently that's Mm -hmm. an interesting conversation and with no commercial breaks either it's a very different structure so anyway check it out if you have kids the right age if you're looking for something to listen to in the car if god you really just don't want to listen to anymore horrible disney channel or you know top 40 or whatever too it's a good it's a good thing to do together and that is our show for this week thanks amy thank you thanks andrea thanks guys we can be found on facebook.com slash parenting bites we have links to everything we talked about this week on the show as well as on parentingbites.com. find us on twitter at hashtag parenting bites on itunes rate review subscribe Tell us if you check out any of the things we talked about this week. We want to hear it in the comment section. We love seeing your comments. Or if you've ever interfered with somebody else's parenting. Yes. Oh, we want those <laughs> We want to hear that. Yes. And share. You can share the podcast right from iTunes or from Play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all the CBS podcasts. Till next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye.